Good morning, 10.30. How are you all this morning? So good to see you in the house of God today. And if you are watching online, we want to give you a really, really big welcome as well. Thank you for tuning in. And I just want to do a shout out to Sue Sunderland. So I did get your message last week, but I didn't notice it until this morning sitting in church. So I want to say uh, it's good. And I hope that the Lord's really speaking to you as you're watching at home today. So, so good to be here. I'm so glad to be uh, here, ready to preach to you this morning. We're in the middle of one priority or near the very end of it. I just want to honour and thank those who have generously sown into the church with your one priority giving. And that is uh, uh, really an investment into future generations. It's investing into the, the future of the church so that others may know and have a place to come and worship God. That's a great thing to invest into. So if you still um, haven't brought your offering in, just want to encourage you, get on board with it, and uh, God will um, honour you for that sacrifice. So let's give the Lord a hand so far for all those who have given so generously. Just want to say, great to see Tamika and Alyssa on the front row. Great to have you. They, they serve often out in toddlers so let's give them a hand they're doing a great job out there thanks for what you do for looking after those kids and for serving the church in that way so that's awesome just want to um speak today on a, on a very special subject it's, it's about the church you can have the lights back up for me here so i can see everybody but i'm starting a series called love church now, I think if, you were, if this was the 60s, that would have a whole different meaning. Be like, I should maybe have thought about this theme better on Love Church and maybe had a, you know, flowers in my hair and some, you know, flares and all that kind of stuff. Flowery shirt would have been, would have been apt for the, for the series. But um, when God speaks on building his church, it's not about buildings, it's connecting people to their place in the spiritual temple called church. So we want to get some foundations on that, but, but today is the first instalment of a series that um, I want to bring to the church about love church, about that statement. So um, Matthew 13 verse 24 and 25 is, is where we're going to launch this series from. And it's Jesus speaking about the church. And uh, he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So just want to stop there a moment, just, just look at this portion first. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. So we need to know, church, that when the church is sleepy, the enemy gets sowing or the enemy gets working. And so we don't want to be a sleepy church. We don't want to be a sleepy people. We want to be alert. We want to be alive. We want to be awake to, to the things of God so that the enemy can't get in while we're sleeping and bring things into our lives that are not good for us. So the, the words there are stay alert. There's some scriptures there. Get your phones out. Take a picture of those and you can study them later. But each of those scriptures talks about stay alert so that you can defend yourself spiritually. 
So I, I want us to be a church that is alert. And I know uh, in these days that there is an awakening happening among the churches around the world today where people are discovering again the, the uh, awareness of spiritual things. So I want us to, to stir ourselves to an awakening in the church. And, and as you know, we do that once a month on a Thursday night. We have, we have awakened. Uh, where we spend some time in the presence of God. We spend more time to worship. We pray for one another. We release the gifts of the Spirit to the church on those nights. So I want to encourage you, come on out. Um, God will speak to you, and it's a whole new thing on a Thursday night that's happening. So get on board with those. Where was I at? When the church is sleepy, the enemy gets sowing. Now it goes on, verse 27, and there is no slide for that, Priscilla, Relax. She said to that, you went to verse 27, but it wasn't there. It says this. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did, this, where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. So the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now later on in that, in that chapter, the, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, what, was, what did you mean by that story? And Jesus says, well, the, the, the field is the world and the crop is believers who have put their faith in Jesus and we call that group the church. That's what a group of believers is, is a church. So Jesus tells it um, like this. He's saying that the church will never be perfect, but it is his kingdom. It is the kingdom of God. So he, he says in that statement, let both grow together until the harvest and we'll sort it out at harvest. We'll sort out the, the difference between the wheat and the weeds at harvest time. And that harvest is when Jesus returns for his church. That is the harvest day. So we as believers believe that Jesus is coming back for his church. That's a foundational, uh, a foundational uh, precept of the, of the faith is that we trust and believe that Jesus is coming back to take his church to be with him. And that's the harvest day that Jesus is talking about. So we're going to look, up, um, look at a few things with this today. But quite a few years back, we ran local advertising that started with Love Port Lincoln. We see some, some examples of that. And we took out space on the billboards. And, and uh, we, we, the first one we did was, uh, was Love Port Lincoln, that one that's real dark. Awesome looking slide there. Uh, and, then, and then we had Love Air Peninsula, and then we had Love Who You Are. And I want to introduce a new installment to that love story, and that is Love Church. That's a simple statement, but Love Church. And to some, that's a novelty concept. To others, it's a powerful revelation. So what is church? And so I've got a picture there of a building, and, uh, and then there's a whole picture of, of, of people of what church does. But we can't limit our perspective of church to a building because it's never a building. 
The church is the people who, and what it does, not what, where it meets. So what is church? We go to a Greek word called ecclesia. Everyone say ecclesia. We probably didn't pronounce it properly. If you said that to a Greek person, they'd probably say, what? Doesn't even sound anything like it. I don't know how the pronunciation in Greek is, but uh, that is the word that they use in the original scripture of the church. It's a body, a group, an assembly of believers equals church. So wherever believers in Jesus Christ gather is a church, is a, is a, a coordinated group of people who put their faith in Jesus is a church. So God instituted his kingdom on earth through believers in Jesus who've had their sins forgiven, who are born again, baptized into the church, into the ecclesia. So I'm giving, I don't normally do the Greek, you know that, but today I thought it's important. And next week we're going to look at some more Greek word about the church. So it's really, really uh, foundational that, that we understand these concepts. So I want us to go direct to Revelation chapters 2 and 3 as we look into what God spoke to seven real churches in the book of Revelation. They were in what, what would be today modern-day Turkey, <clears throat> uh, but they, they, each place is, is a city in, in that part of the world, and there was a church there. And Jesus speaks directly to those churches, knowing the conditions in each place. They indicate conditions that play out somewhere in every church. They, they indicate conditions that sometimes play out in our individual lives as people, things that we, that things that we uh, go through and, and, and do. So the first, we're going to look at these real quickly here. The first church they speak of is the, the church in Ephesus, Revelation 2 verse 4. It says of them they were hard workers who didn't quit. And I think that, that so they're, they're doing a great work for God. They're hard workers. They've got no problem with their welcome team because they've got a lot of hard workers on their welcome team. They've got people on every roster. They've got people in kids' church, on music, on, on every team's full. They've even got people working on the roof on Sunday. They've got no problem with workers. They're a hard-working church and they don't quit. They're committed. They're, they're, they're strong in their commitment to those things. So they've got a great reputation of as hard workers and they're not quitters. It goes on to say, but you don't love God or each other as you did at first. And in each of these, in each of these churches, we see there is a but. There's some great things and then there's the but. But you don't love God or each other as you did at first. So here we see that they're doing some incredible things but they've lost their love. And so we see there's, there's, there's a great crop of good things growing, great crop of seed growing in the church at Ephesus. At the same time, there's a crop of, of they've lost their love. And so there's an element that is vital to the church, but they've lost that. And the weeds are growing up in the church that has taken away. Maybe there's been niggles. Maybe there's been, well, you know, the misunderstandings and other things that have crept in to relationships and people are like, well, you know, there's a reason why I'm separating myself. I'm distancing from other people and I've lost my love. And when you start to lose your love for the, for the father, you begin to love, lose your love for the family. And that's where they were at that point. 
The next church is the church of Smyrna. Revelation 2.9, don't worry about the, the pronunciation. I, I don't know how, it's, it, it sounds like that to me. Revelation 2 verse 9, it says, Of them they're a persecuted church. They're in poverty and they're in suffering. But it says of them when facing death, it says they'll receive the crown of life. See, th these guys have a great rap, actually, the church of Smyrna. It's because, they're, 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 and, and I don't understand why, but there's poverty in their church. They're, they're a poor church. They're a poor people. But it says, and they're persecuted. They're, they're, they're suffering. But it goes on. Their but is when facing death, you receive the crown of life. They may have poverty in their natural. They may, I don't know the reasons why behind their church is so poor, but they don't have a lot. They've got nothing to brag about. But it says they've got a royal crown when they pass from this life to the next life. There's a crown of royalty waiting for them. So that although they may not have seen like they had much success in this in this season, in the eternal season, they're royalty. It's nothing like the first service, by the way. I'm sort of making it up as I go, but I just see things as we go here. Number three, Pergamum, the church at Pergamum. And I'm probably saying that wrong too, but that, you know, whatever. Revelation 2.13, I'm willing to learn if you want to teach me how to pronounce these better. Revelation 2.13, it says, They live among great evil but they're remaining loyal to Jesus. So they live among great evil. It's like living on the strip where there's all the, all the, you know, the, 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 the clubs and the, the joints and all that kind of stuff that go on in, in, in the, 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 the bad part of town where all the entertainment is, industry is. That's where they live. They live among great evil, but they're loyal to Jesus. It goes on to say, but they tolerate false teaching. But it says those who are victorious will be given a new name. So in the church of Pergamum, there, there, is a, there is growing up among a great seed of harvest, there is also seeds of, of weeds of false teaching. So people aren't loyal to the word of God. They're just listening to this, listening to that, saying, oh, well, that's a little bit false, but, but that's okay, we'll, we'll go with that. And so there's deception in the Pergamum church. But there are those who are loyal to Jesus and they'll be victorious and they'll be given, the promise is they'll be given a new name. That's a, an eternal name. Next one, the church at Thyatira, Revelation 2 verse 19, says of them, you're constantly improving in love, in faith, in service and endurance. How would you like that as a, as a resume? Constantly improving. Um, I would love that over the banner of our church that, that the Lord would speak. You're constantly improving. You're constantly going higher, better, improving in love, <clears throat> pardon me, in faith, in your service, in your endurance. But he's there. But a false prophet, you've allowed a false prophet in and you've permitted sexual sin to flourish in the church. And it says, To those who have not followed this false teaching, hold tightly to what you have until I come, and Jesus will give you great authority. So we see in this church, there is, there is, a, there is immorality going on. There are things that should never be in the house of God. Um, a, a false teaching, a false prophet has installed themselves, and sexual sin is flourishing 
but it also says at the same time, in among all those weeds, there is great authority in that church. How can that be? It's, a, it's a, a, an amazing picture of the house of God is in the world and it's, it has the, the, the seed of God, the good seed growing, but there is an infiltration of evil within the house of God. I, I, I love it where it says, um, hold, tightly to what you, uh, uh, hold tightly to what you have until I come and, and Jesus will give you great authority. Continue, it's talking about just, there, there are those among that, even though there is immorality, who are sticking to the, to the right things. The fifth church, the church of Sardis, Revelation 3, verse 1 and 2, it says of them, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. That's not a great reputation. It says your actions don't meet the requirements of God. So, I don't know what that looks like. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. It's like you know, having a coffin, but with lights and bells on it and things like that, and maybe a rocking motion that looks like something's going on, something's alive, but it's dead. And it goes on to say about the church of Sardis, they don't meet the requirements of God. It says, wake up and go back to what you believed at first, it's, saying, it's, it's going back to some fundamental things again. Don't just think, well, because we've got it all right, because we're comfortable, because this looks right, that we are right. It says, but there are some there who have not soiled their clothes with evil, and they will walk with Jesus in pure white. See, there's been something in that church has crept in, which is, which is unholy, which is unrighteous. And they've, they've allowed themselves to be deceived right away from the holiness of God, right away from the life that Jesus has for them. But there are those among that who had not saw their clothes with evil, and they'll walk in white. The sixth, sixth church is Philadelphia. Revelation 3 verse 17, it says of them, they are a weak church. But they obeyed the word and they've persevered. But it says, among them there is a synagogue of unbelievers among you who hold to what, uh, but hold on to what you have. So here's a, a weak church, uh, um, an indecisive church, um, a church that has no power, a church that has no strength, like a sickly child that, that you know, has always got an issue, always got a problem, can never really get momentum going because there's always another problem, always another weakness. That's the, the church of Philadelphia, a weak church. But they've got something going from they obeyed the word of God and they persevered with the word of God. And sometimes we might think, but we're weak, we're, we've got problems everywhere, but we've got to hold to the word of God. It says to hang on to what you have. Hold on to what you have. You might think, I've only got a little bit of hope. Hold on to that hope. I've only got a little bit of faith. Hold on to that faith. I only got a little bit of whatever. Hold on to that little bit and God will do the rest. Hold on to what you have. Then there's a church of Laodicea, the last one, Revelation 3 verse 15. It says of them, and we hear this preached a lot, they're neither hot or cold. That speaks to me of having no convictions. 
They're a church where anything goes. They're a Mr. Potato Head church. I've got a little bucket. You can pass them around. The Mr. Potato Heads. Who ever had Mr. Potato Head as a child? The, the, the Laodicea church is a Mr. Potato Head church. They could dress him up to be anything they want. So I know I had Mr. Potato Head. I had Cowboy Mr. Potato Head. I had Dr. Mr. Potato Head. I, I, had, I had Mr. Potato Head Farmer. You could, you could make Mr. Potato Head anything you want. Just change his nose, change his ears, change his hat, change his eyebrows. Just change him to whatever, whatever you wanted him to be. But the church in, in Laodicea mixed and matched for the mood around them. And they became not, neither hot or cold. And it says they'll be rejected by God unless they change. That's Revelation 3 verse 18. It says of them also <clears throat> that you think you're rich with everything you need. We're comfortable. We've got everything. We've got the latest of everything. We've got all the equipment. We've got perfect, you know, perfect carpet and seating and, and, and comfort and all that kind of stuff. We've got everything that we could possibly need in the Laodicea church. We're not, we're not a poor church. But it says this, they think, you, you, they think they're rich with everything, but they are wretched, sad, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, and joyless. See, if they hear the Lord's voice, it says, it says of the, of the Laodicea church, it's, it, we, we get that scripture, it says, if, if the Lord will stand at the door and knock at your heart, he's talking about the Laodicean church. It says, the Lord is standing at the door knocking, and he'll come in and eat with anyone who lets him in. And so the Laodicea church is a church that was so good that they didn't even need Jesus in it. They, they were so slick. They were so good with their presentations, with, with everything that they could do, that Jesus st stood outside and said, someone want to invite me today? That's a scary kind of church because it had the, the form of, of, of a, a, a group of believers but no Jesus. That's so scary to think about. So it says, if you hear the Lord's voice, you'll let him in. He will be, he'll come in and eat with them. See, what we see from these seven churches of Revelation are examples of what weeds among the wheat looks like in the church. And I think it's indicative of every generation of church. We'll see great bountiful harvest of good seed that God has planted in the hearts of people. And in among that, you'll also see weeds that will grow up among us, grow up among them. And, and when I was a youth pastor, I had a very, very bad ministry habit of trying to weed out the weeds from among the group. But I, I, I did it way too many times. I, th you, I, I think this person's bad news. I think they're here for the wrong reasons. I'm going to have a stern talk to them and tell them not to come back. And I'd say, this is the honest truth, I'm ashamed. I'd say, if you come back to this youth group next week, I'm going to punch you in the head. Don't you come back. You understand me? But what I didn't realize is they go and tell three or four friends from the youth group and say, oh, that pastor kicked me out. I said, I'm not allowed to come back anymore. And so they go, oh, they're an overactive mercy gift. That's my favorite saying about people that have got an overactive mercy gift. They'll go, oh, you poor darling, you poor baby. We're not going back there either. That's not, that's not what I wanted you to do. 
So what I, I was trying to protect the, the, the crop and, and trying to pull out the weeds and what I'm doing is I'm pulling out the good seed as well. And we have a bad habit in church where we think it's our job to pull out the weeds. We're going to leave that to Jesus at the harvest because we can't, we, we can't tell what seed is going to be, uh, you know, what, what's, what Jesus wants to work through. And we have to allow room for God to do work on people because every weed could turn into a seed if it's given the right place. And we need to let Jesus do the work in people. And so often, so many times, people are turned away from the house of God because of well-intentioned Christians trying to say, we've got to protect the flock. We've got to protect the, the field here. And so we'll push these people out of our churches. You'd be amazed at the things I've found in the church here. Little little parcels of things that being disposed of ethically. But I, I, I don't mind finding that stuff in the house of God. It means that we're in the right place. We're doing the right thing because we're seeing all manner of people coming. And our, our hope is that people will find Jesus, will find salvation, will find their life need being met in the house of God. That's what we're here to do. But while the church, here's, here's a statement. This is what you need to take home. Take a picture of this one. You say, no one does anything. Just do what you're told. Humor me. Get your cameras out. So, Pretend you're interested. Does anyone have a phone? No, we don't even have phones anymore. We're Christian. We leave them at home. This is the, this is the main kicker for our whole message today. While the church is in the world, the world will be in the church. Do you understand that? It's the, the weeds will be in the wheat. The weeds will be with the seeds. So while the church is in the world, the world will be in the church. And my disclaimer is... Love church anyway. Oh, you've got a good response from this service. I think that 9am was still sleepy. They still haven't had their coffee yet. So love church. I can have the musicians come and join me, please. Love church is connecting yourself to Jesus and his people, the church. Love church people are born again people. We want to be a church that allows people to find their way to Jesus and be born again. Love church people are baptized people. Love church people are discipled people. Love church people are relationally connected people. Love church people change the world. Psalm 122 verse 1. It's one of the Psalms of David and it says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, David wrote this before the temple was built. And in a way, he was prophesying as he longed for a house of God to be built in Jerusalem where he lived. And he, he, he was, there was a longing in his heart, but he's saying, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. See, David had a, a love church attitude. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord represents a place of worship where the faithful gather. And it's, it's really talking about a gathering of believers, not a place or a building. If we could please stand together as one. And we are the church. 
We are the church. It's not the building that we meet in or our denomination that defines those things. Rather, what's in our heart for Jesus. And I want us to go as a church into a a season of maturing, um, a season of cultural shifting as we consider our place in church. I've used that term, love church. And I hope that you can walk away from today with that, those two words going through your head, love church, love church, love church. And we, as we declare that, things will begin to shift in our spirit. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus is declaring to us today, speaking to us in this scripture. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. There's an invitation there for us. There's an invitation there for you to a spiritual place of sanctuary with Jesus. Here on earth, it's called church. Come with me and I'll, I'll give you rest. But I know that there are people here and you've been harmed, you've been hurt, you've been judged, you've been condemned in church. Maybe if it's not you, it's someone who you knew. But I want us to go, One Heart Church, on a journey to heal. God wants you to go on a journey to heal if that's happened to you. It may take a few weeks. It may take some months. Depends on what what you're dealing with. But Jesus wants to take you on a journey that heals you completely, emotionally and spiritually to be the best that you can be. I pray that you may love church. Jesus designed it. I pray that we may grow in it and pray that we may grow with it today. So right now, right across this place, if you will, raise your hand and say, Jesus, will you help me? I want to grow with it. I want to grow in it. I want to see it grow. I want to see it transform lives. I want to love church in the way that you designed it to be for my life. So dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that those who carry a heavy burden, Lord, your promise to to us today is that you will give us rest. I pray for those who've been harmed in church. Pray for those who've been hurt, judged, condemned. That Father, we just lay that heavy burden at your feet today. And we say, Jesus, I want want to walk free from that. I want to let it go. I want to leave it behind and I want to be set free. And Lord, I pray that a spirit come over us as a people that isn't just a slogan, but is something that happens deep in us that says, I love church. I love the house of God. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. May there be joy in the house of God. Joy in our hearts. Joy in your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I just want to finish by saying, Lord, pray. We pray, Lord God, that we may grow. That we may grow individually and that we may grow corporately as we pursue after you. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you just take your seats for one last time. There's one important thing that I just don't want to miss whenever I can. 
and that is to invite people who want to become a Christian, who want to have that opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ. We do a prayer in this church, there it is on the screen. It's a great first step to loving church, to loving God, to connecting ourselves back into the family of Jesus. It's the first step on the journey of believing is to ask Jesus to forgive your sins, to be your Lord and Saviour, to be your God. We've just prepared a, a prayer that declares our intention to Jesus to come and be our Lord and Saviour, that we're, we're passing our sins over to God, that He may deal with them so that we can be free of that stuff that has separated us from the Father. But if you will, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. And if you've never prayed it before and you really mean it, thinking, Jesus, I, I want to be a Christian. I want you to be in my heart. I want you to deal with the sin in my life. Pardon me and take it away. Then pray this prayer. The confession of your mouth is enough to bridge that gap that separated you from God. We can just pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you're here and you've prayed that prayer for the very first time and you've sensed that you want to take that step on the journey of life, following Jesus as a Christian, as a believer, then please come and see me. I'd love to talk with you, give you some resource to help you along that journey. And I just pray today that you be greatly blessed if you made that decision. just want to thank you, church, for being such an awesome church, such an awesome privilege to preach to you today. And I just you know, ask you to go on the journey with me over the next little while of love church. God bless you all.